Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial or you can have a listen from our website at www.3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. It's Sunday 7th of August 2016 and a beautiful day in Melbourne today, a bit of intermittent cloud and a top of 15 degrees. Uh, We've got some breezes coming in from the north, uh, having driven over the west gate uh, just in the last half hour, seeing what a nice calm day it is out there. But as usual, be very, very careful as uh, if you're out on Port Phillip Bay or Western Port Bay. Um, I seem to start the show like this uh, on a bit of a downer um, many times. It feels like it's becoming all too often. Uh, but we had that terrible news last week uh, across the creek, as we say, in uh, in Bass Strait, in Tassie. Um, unfortunately, in uh, it was sort of south of Hobart where there was a quadruple fatal. Um, four young men in the prime of their lives uh, lost. Uh, I know last I heard there were two bodies recovered and another two missing, presumed dead um, after their boat capsized. Uh, so please be careful. It's one of those things I always, like I say, start the, the show on a bit of a downer, but please be very, very careful uh, if you're out on Port Phillip Bay. I once heard some advice that someone said, you know, when you're out in the water, uh, you've got to be brilliant. Um, when you're scuba diving, snorkeling, boating, whatever the case may be, just try and make sure that you're safe. That's the, uh, the absolute key as always. 
Okay, today uh, it's a solo flight um, for me today, um, having a look at uh, a variety of different issues. Uh, my name's Andrew Christie from Melbourne Polytechnic and Marine Care Point Cook, and I wanted to discuss a few things with regards to uh, toxic algal blooms. They're something that have uh, really reared their ugly heads in the uh, in the media just recently, in particular this uh, disastrous situation, an ecological catastrophe unfolding uh, that's unfolded in Chile. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that shortly. Uh, also, a few uh, issues that have um, that have been around the traps. Um, some really fascinating work that was done uh, that came to light last week on uh, hammerhead sharks doing side stroke to, uh, to to save energy. We've got a bunch of interesting uh, marine pest removal projects on the go at the moment at Point Cook Marine Sanctuary. Sharing the Love Three Forum coming up next weekend in Warnable, which should be a good one. So uh, stay tuned. Lots to uh, lots to keep you entertained over the next half hour or so. Okay, we'll quickly go to a uh, community announcement and back in a sec. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, this panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying, Happy birthday, 3CR. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial. Uh, listeners may recall that a few weeks ago I was uh, chatting to Caroline Esbenshade and Marine Care Point Cook of a chance meeting that we had with uh, Lisa Ann Gershwin who was uh, doing a book signing for her uh, recently released book on jellyfish in uh, Hobart. Now at the book signing was a guy that I'd had the pleasure of meeting previously um, and I mentioned this on the show, uh, Professor Gustav Hallegraaf who's from the uh, Hales from the Netherlands originally and has been in Australia now uh, working away in various uh, uh, departments, uh, the CSIRO um, being one of the uh, the major ones, and also uh, IMAS, which is the Institute of Marine Antarctic and Antarctic, sorry, that's a bit of a tongue twister, the Institute of Marine and Antarctic Studies in Hobart. Uh, now, he has, uh, he's a world-renowned expert on algae, and in particular, it's the toxic algae forms that he really concentrates on. And when we spoke to him in Hobart, um, he was only a few days away from hopping on a plane to Chile to go and check out the situation there and as I was saying before we went to that quick uh, community service announcement the situation in Chile has been a horrendous one Um, uh, to cut a long story short what they've got is a situation where there's at least one uh, type of 
toxic algae that has just flourished and bloomed to a level that hasn't really been experienced before, and it's caused an enormous amount of harm to the uh, to the surrounding environment and what we call the biota, all the um, uh, various animals of various sizes uh, that are being uh, that are being killed by substandard water quality, and presumably a, a number of toxins that are in the water that are being released by this particular uh, critter. So I'll just go through that in a little bit of detail and give you the, the lowdown on that for our listeners that might not be uh, might not be up with it. So uh, Gustav Hallegraaf's career began at the CSIRO in Cronulla and uh, then he shifted to Hobart and then went on to the University of Tasmania. So he's had a long and decorated career with regards to research and teaching. And uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him and catching up with him at the Algae for the Future conference, which was the eighth Asia-Pacific conference on algal biotechnology and the first international conference on coastal biotech in Adelaide back in July 2012. And uh, I'd been reading this guy's um, books and articles for a number of years and uh, knew that Gustav Hallegraaf um, was a was a world-renowned expert. I'd never been able to put a face to the uh, to the name though and uh, you can imagine my surprise when I sat down at the dinner table um, amongst about you know uh, eight or ten other people. A uh, nice big table for a, uh, a number of these tables spread throughout the room as you'll invariably find on a conference and I glanced to my right hand side and there's uh, a, a gentleman sitting at the table next to me with uh, the name tag of course saying Gustav Hallegraaf and uh, I wasted no time in uh, in meeting him and, and uh, catching up with him and got uh, you know had a few really good conversations with uh, with Gustav so very very lucky and it just shows the uh, the value of networking um, I think when we we were discussing with a, a lot of graduate students uh, various persuasions what the best way is to go out and get jobs and so on uh, networking is one of the most important things that you can do and when you go to a conference you know it's always great to have a look at all the conference proceedings and emerge yourself in the literature and all the rest of it and all these great presentations that people are doing that's all well and good but it's always uh, the the single most important thing some of the best advice I've ever been given is to get out there and really um, uh, you know grease the palm so to speak get out there and uh, and and uh, talk to as many people as you can and really start networking because it's so important to do and um, yeah he was a, he's a very personable guy Gustav a very very friendly bloke wasn't a lot better uh, dinner with Gustav than uh, than one of my uh, more embarrassing moments at a conference when I caught up with another decorated member of the algae community, um, uh, Dr. Sajib Kolkovsky, who does most of his work over in Western Australia at the moment. And he does some work with uh, marine-type algae, uh, one called Danielia uh, salina, which is uh, an algae that has a variety of uses that they're growing in these, um, in these areas of WA, these vast salt pan-type areas, and they grow the algae there for various uses. But uh, I was sitting down at a conference with Sarjev and I'd, I'd worked my way through my second pot of beer. I'd literally only uh, really sat down at the table, um, got through those two beers. So I was nowhere near drunk, of course, and uh, I excused myself. Nature called, got up to leave the table, and I swear it was like a uh, it was like the tablecloth has grabbed around my ankle with this ridiculous strength, and I'm moving forward, and all of a sudden I'm moving down, and uh, basically did a face plant. And I have never been so embarrassed in my life. I uh, just wanted to crawl under a rock and die at that point, but. Uh, 
uh, yeah, managed to get up, apologised profusely, and I think it was forgotten about. But uh, thank God I didn't take the tablecloth with me. That was uh, one thing I look back on. I don't know how the hell that happened, but it was uh, yeah, anyway just a, a little story for you. So anyhow, um, with the, the situation in, uh, in in Chile at the moment, what we talk about when we we've got uh, toxic or harmful algal blooms is a situation where they release some toxins that have a variety of different actions, a, a different uh, you know different ways of acting and produce toxicity to different organs of the body and uh, and and cause different syndromes and situations. So the the first and most important group that we'll talk about mainly is the neurotoxins. Um, now things like uh, brevitoxin, um, a, a type of uh, neurotoxic family of compounds. We've got the what we call uh, hepatotoxins. Now they're the ones that hit up your liver. Uh, they're the ones that we have to be very careful of when we're looking at a situation like the recent bloom in the uh, the Murray River, um, which at one stage extended for uh, you know about 900 kilometres or so uh, in the early stages of the uh, this this bloom. It ended up going from Barma, uh, the Barma Forest region, all the way over to the South Australian border, basically, and turned the water in some stretches of the Murray very green in colour. Now, those blooms have the uh, I, I guess the they have the complication where they will actually smother the surface of the water and they limit oxygen transfer and uh, they can they can turn the waters fairly hypoxic meaning that they rip a lot of oxygen out of the water particularly during the nighttime hours during the daylight they can actually put a bit of oxygen into the water so that's all well and good but then they switch to respiring just like we do um, namely uh, gobbling up oxygen and churning out carbon dioxide and that creates problems for the uh, for the for, for the fish and whatever else might be in the water at the time now, the, the thing that you've got to remember with um, some of these hepatotoxins and uh, a lot of the neurotoxins is that they're very heat stable. Um, with the hepatotoxins, we've got what's called a, a bit of a mouthful, a monocyclic heptapeptide. Now, what the hell does that mean in simple English? Well, basically, it's a circular sort of a structure, so it's very, very strong from the chemical point of view, and there's these four, uh, sorry, seven uh, protein chains uh, around it. So it tends to be a really stable structure, and unfortunately, when you boil the hell out of the water, um, it's still quite a, uh, a dangerous chemical cocktail that you might be ingesting and that's why when we get severe blue-green algal outbreaks what can actually happen is that uh, you basically have to shut down reservoirs shut down entire reservoirs and that's where you see some rural communities from time to time are quite used to having situations where the reservoir shut down and they have to depend on bottled water um, it's not a good situation at all and uh, one that we've got to I guess when we look at algal blooms we've got to question what it is that actually creates the bloom conditions in the first place, what actually ends up uh, creating the environment for those blooms to occur. And in the case of the uh, the Murray Darling, I guess what we call the limiting nutrient is, are those uh, those chemicals that we refer to as phosphates. Um, they uh, the the blue green algae, or more correctly known as cyanobacteria, they're brilliant uh, what we call nitrogen fixers. So in the air you're breathing right at this instant, um, you can bet your bottom dollar that it's about 79% uh, of the air you're breathing is nitrogen. And the uh, blue-green algae know that, and they, uh, well, not the percentages, of course, but they, uh, they're very, very effective at capturing the available nitrogen from the atmosphere and uh, using that as, uh, for, their, for their physiological requirements. But what they're starved of from time to time are the phosphates. Now, what happens, of course, in a uh, rural situation is you often have Farmer Joe uh, putting out uh, phosphates over his uh, land to make it nice and arable so that it can use it for various agricultural uh, farming pursuits. And then you get a heavy rain or something, and it washes all the 
squeeze superphosphates and phosphates into the water. And what that does is all of a sudden, the limiting nutrient that was keeping the bloom in check has suddenly become abundant and available, and the algae are exceptionally good at, at using it. When they use it, they reproduce, and all of a sudden you have a bloom. Now, that doesn't mean every time you get a heavy rain or whatever and you get some phosphates going into the water, you get this algal bloom, it's inevitable. Uh, no, you need some more ingredients as well. Uh, long day length, long photo period is the key there. Um, lots of available sunlight and also stagnant water conditions. So you'll see a situation where all of a sudden we're not getting the environmental flows that we once did because we've got dams or weirs or locks or whatever set up alongside the river. A large uh, percentage of river water might be taken out and used for irrigation purposes by the farmers, all that sort of thing. And what can happen is you get that uh, that perfect storm of lots of superphosphates, um, very warm weather, long photo period, um, long day length in other words, and you've got a, a situation where the water suddenly becomes stagnant and that's where, with, with minimal flow, that's where you start to see a situation where a bloom takes over and when it does it can be pretty devastating. Um, the other conditions and the ones that we'll talk about a bit in, in a moment with the chilli situation are what we call PSP or paralytic shellfish poisoning, amnesiac shellfish poisoning or ASP, so as the name suggests it's a, a neurological suite of effects that basically causes you to lose your memory, uh, diuretic shellfish poisoning of course DSP gives you diarrhoea um, and then when we're looking at uh, I, I guess the other thing I should have mentioned with uh, the hepatotoxins and the ones that hit your liver, the neurotoxins that, cause, that attack your central nervous system with blue green algae in the freshwater. The other thing you've got to be very careful of, and you'll hear the authorities warn about this when a reservoir has been closed or there's a bloom detected in a river, is uh, dermatitis. Um, there are some really uh, nasty skin conditions that you can actually get as a result of having those aerosols or spray of water on you. So when you've got a situation where there's a bloom in a reservoir, you sure as hell don't want to go water skiing there or anything, or definitely not swimming, because you, uh, you come into contact with the uh, the toxins or the uh, the cyanobacteria, and they've got ways. Uh, some aren't terribly well understood, but they've got ways of uh, yeah potentially making you quite crook and damaging your skin. So something to uh, something to avoid. Anyway, the situation in Chile, what are we looking at um, at the moment? Uh, we've got this situation where it's uh, uh, it's called Alexandrium catenella, uh, used to be known as uh, goniolax, and that's what we call a dinoflagellate. Now, uh, a dinoflagellate is basically this uh, this little critter, and this actual species has been found in, uh, whether it's the same strain or not, I'm not sure, but this same species has been encountered previously within mussels in Port Phillip Bay. So we know it's there, but it's uh, uh, the, the situation in Chile is one where it's bloomed to a massive level. A dinoflagellate, for uh, for some of our listeners who may not be aware, basically straddles the line between animal and plant. So on the one hand, it's got all these photosynthetic cells, so it's able to photosynthesize. And on the other hand, it's um, it's got the, what we call flagella, so those little whip-like uh, tails. If you think of a human sperm cell, there you've got a, um, a, a tail and it whips around and propels the, uh, the this critter. Uh, so it sort of straddles that line between animal and plant. But what we've got in Chile at the moment is this situation where there's this giant what we call a red tide. Now red tides we know have been with us since biblical times um, and people talk about the waters turning to blood. Um, a fantastic book by Rodney Barker written on uh, on the situation with uh, red tides in, um, in in the Chesapeake Bay region caused by a, 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 a little algal species that uh, is the subject of some debate, uh, Fisteria piscicida, which causes uh, has been implicated in fish kills and uh, human health issues now for quite a while. But the situation in Chile is one where we've got um, uh, 
basically the the authorities are investigating whether salmon farming, whether the salmon farming industry may have caused a situation where we're getting hundreds of miles of uh, of shoreline along the coastline of Patagonia, uh, triggering this health emergency and angry protests, of course, uh, following on from that by fishermen. Um, The huge red tide has grown to a point where dozens of people have been poisoned by the algal bloom. Of course, it makes seafood toxic, deprives thousands of fishermen of a living, and at last estimate had killed, um, it had basically uh, led to a, a situation where they'd taken an $800 million hit to their normally uh, incredibly valuable fisheries. So it has caused some fisheries to basically shut down and collapse, um, albeit temporarily, and it's a, a real nightmare scenario that has actually, uh, that has actually occurred there. Now, the Chilean authorities are investigating. Uh, the police force, uh, elements of the police force have been called in to investigate. Um, but beginning in late December 2015, higher than normal ocean temperatures resulted in the death of at least uh, 27 million salmon. Now, an estimated 22,500 tonnes of dead salmon were hauled from the water. This is predominantly from the aquaculture industry. And then they were ground up to make fish, field, uh, fish meal for the healthy fish. And another 9,000 tonnes, tonnes was buried in dumps around the region. So this was something that actually preceded the um, the algal bloom, and for a long time now, uh, it's it's sort of been an issue that's been bubbling away in the Chilean consciousness. It's uh, something that a lot of people aren't terribly happy with. They've they've struggled for a number of years with certain viral diseases amongst the salmon. So it was a situation where people were getting very very uh, annoyed, very very concerned about it, and now it seems that they've reached some sort of tipping point um, or other, and we've got this uh, this incredible situation where. Um, They've had these mass die-offs. Uh, 330, uh, 337 say whales uh, found dead in one of the biggest drownings in history. Uh, earlier this month, um, there, or a couple of months ago now, there were 40,000 tonnes of dead sardines washed ashore at the mouth of the Kayala River. Um, elsewhere, there's been dead squid washed ashore. Um, all this stuff washing up on shores of Bonanza for the, for the local uh, stray dogs, or so they thought. And then the dogs started tucking in, and you can guess what happened to the dogs. The poor dogs died as well. So it's a situation now where um, the, the red tide has uh, producing symptoms of diarrhoea, amnesia, paralysis from near the Straits of uh, Magellan to Valdivia. And that's a stretch of around 2,000 kilometres of shoreline. So that's what um, uh, Gustav Hallegraf and a bunch of others have been uh, commissioned to uh, to have a good close look at and study in the, uh, in the, in the coming weeks, I suppose, and months uh, to try and work out exactly what it is that has led to a situation where we've got uh, uh, this this monstrous algal bloom making its way throughout the uh, throughout the system. Okay, uh, just wanted to give our listeners a bit of an idea for the uh, some of the toxins that I was just discussing before, and probably the best example I've ever heard of just how toxic this stuff is um, relates to a CIA pilot uh, by the name of Gary Powers, and he used to fly this thing called a U-2 spy plane, one of these uh, ridiculous-looking things. It's got a wingspan longer than the fuselage, and is designed to fly up to an altitude of about 80,000 feet, so it's a, what you call a recon bird, um, a, a reconnaissance plane that's designed on to take photographs of various uh, sensitive um, sites and uh, he was flying over the Soviet Union as you do back then in uh, 1960 and taking his photographs and before he uh, took to the air the CIA equipped him with a, a basically a silver dollar and inside the silver dollar was a tiny little syringe and inside that syringe was what we call saxitoxin, a purified uh, extract of saxitoxin basically and the idea there was that if he was captured and he didn't want to go through the interrogation and all the rest of it, he 
could give himself a little jab with this needle and he'd be out of action very, very shortly. It was designed to, uh, to kill him in as swift a manner as possible. The saxotoxin, to give you an idea uh, in, in terms of the uh, how much more uh, toxic it is than some of the, the, the more toxic stuff we're familiar with, things like hydrogen or sodium uh, cyanide, um, it's not even worth considering. That stuff's lolly water compared to the, uh, the saxotoxin that he was equipped with at the time. So it's uh, what you'd call a very, very heavy hitter. Um, very uh, drastic stuff that uh, the, the lengths they were prepared to go to with uh, with regards to uh, yeah making sure he didn't get interrogated if need be. As it was, he uh, discarded the stuff, went through the interrogation, and I think that was it. I don't think uh, it much came of it after that, but I uh, yeah not not fully across all those details. Anyway, uh, we're just about out of time for uh, today's show. Stay tuned for Out of the Pan with Sally today. I presented the downside of algae, but remember they're one of the uh, the more extraordinary organisms on the planet they uh, underpin entire food chains and they're one of those things that uh, are really symptomatic of what's going on in the world's oceans and freshwater uh, rivers and watercourses. Um, they're one of these things that uh, they're not the bad guide as such um, but we've got to have a good close look at what we're uh, we're actually doing with the world's oceans and rivers uh, if we do get situations like algal blooms. We offer an algology and zooplankton subject by the way at Melbourne Polytechnic so if you want to come and check our epping facilities out look us up on uh, Google and uh, come and check us out and we'll be only too happy to uh, show you around for a no obligations tour. Uh, Dr Sadiq Awal is our resident uh, algae and zooplankton guru so he'll be happy to uh, show you the ins and outs of algae. Okay, uh, we're out of time for today. Um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and stay tuned for Out of the Pan. Ich geh doch, ich gehe da, da.